Sometimes, the best stories in golf aren't found on tour. You'll find them at the back of the range. And here's your host, Ben Adelberg. And welcome to the back of the range. I am your host, Ben Adelberg. This is episode 238. My guest on this episode is Gina Kim, another member of the Powerhouse 2021 U.S. Curtis Cup team. Gina grew up in Durham, North Carolina, and went to high school at Chapel Hill. Talk about a conflict of interest. After her junior career came to a close with her being named a two-time Rolex Junior First Team All-American, she committed to Duke University. At Duke, she was immediately thrust into the limelight of the brightest stage of collegiate golf. She helped lead the Blue Devils to the national championship in 2019, and since then, all she's done has become a three-time All-American, ACC Individual Champion, ACC Scholar Athlete of the Year, two-time United States selection for the Arnold Palmer Cup, and yes, finally, a member of that victorious 2021 U.S. Curtis Cup team. She just recently advanced through the LPGA Q Series. The final stage is comprised of eight rounds of golf over two weeks. She got through and then had to face the decision. Go back to Duke, finish off her collegiate career with another run at the ACC, and national championship or make the move now and turn professional ultimately she made the decision to turn pro early we spoke a bit about that decision spoke about q series and some of her fondest memories of her college and amateur career this is another great episode fantastic stories lots that you'll be able to take away from this episode let's get started gina welcome to the back of the range how are you I'm doing great. How about you? I'm, you know, no one's better than me sitting here in South Florida, uh, you know, early January, uh, just enjoying a, you know, 70, 80 degrees, might get out and hit some golf balls later. How about yourself? How are things at Duke? Uh, well, it's pretty cold up here. Oh, um, I'm sorry. To yeah, not much to do. <laughs> so how do you, we're going to get into your incredible career at Duke. And I mean, there's, You've done a lot in your junior and amateur career. I'm I'm sorry we may not reach and speak about every single accomplishment, but I'm sure that you're you're going to be okay with that, right? Oh yeah, of course, of course. Okay, all right. <laughs> we'll hit a few though, because I know there's a few that are very special to you. But you know, we're just talking. I'm just giving you a little bit of grief about the cold weather up there compared to what I have in Florida, but you know, this is a real thing. And this is going to be something that you've experienced at Duke. This is something that you're going to experience moving on. There's going to be times where the weather's bad, the weather's cold, and but you have to get some work done, whether it's for a qualifier, it's for a tournament, uh, something. I guess, how do you get the most out of your game? Or how do you get the most uh, out of time when the weather isn't great, but you know you have to get work done? Well, obviously, being at a place like Duke, you you have um, these high-class facilities to use. Um, it's to your advantage. And, you know, obviously, it's not ideal because I'd like to see some luscious green grass. Yes. But um, I, you can't always get what you want in life. So you have to make do with what you got. Okay. And um, honestly, for me, at this point, I feel like I've progressed enough to a level where it's more the mental repetitions that um, happen to me more, uh, more important to me. Okay. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll open up the hitting bay, um, hit some balls, not too many. Cause I don't want to really hurt my wrist out there in the cold weather, but we also have a putting room. Um, and you know, it's, it's specifically designed to have some breaking putts and some straight putts. And so, you know, I just try to somewhat, emulate what i might get out there but um i just do it more for the purpose of maintenance and just okay. trying to keep my confidence level up high so um the physical part's not really 100 percent there but you know the fact that i'm still in a routine still gives um some satisfaction and comfort to me so um until then that's pretty much how i'm you know, getting by. Just hit it right there. Just having a routine, something consistent, not going five, six, seven days without touching a club. So uh, it sounds to me just keeping things, uh, like you said, you're just kind of in a maintenance mode. Um, 
Now, we're going to try and progress here. At least I'm going to progress here in a professional way. You are a Duke Blue Devil. I am uh, a, a former Kansas Jayhawk. Your team, your, your university has caused me tremendous pain in the past, mainly on the basketball court. But I, I've this is not the first time I've had someone from Duke on the podcast, um, Alex Smalley has been a guest. <laughs> Alex and I did well. Oh. We did well together. We still have a little bit of, you know, I'll shoot him a text of whenever Kansas does well. And I'll, I'll, you know, say some things to him, you know, like, hey, you know, even for a Duke Blue Devil, you seem like a good guy. So we're going to keep things very <laughs> professional and cordial. But I always love, as you know, as someone that listens to this podcast, I like the stories of, okay, how does someone get to, you know, a Stanford or a Duke or Kansas or what have you? How, do, how does this happen? And, you know, I was actually not aware of how close UNC Chapel Hill and Duke actually are. It's basically a 15-minute drive. So you, oh, yeah. so you grew up in, in this area. You grew up in, in Chapel Hill and Durham. Um, forget about golf. Forget about your start in the game right now. What is it like growing up in that area where it is, you know, people know the the Auburn-Alabama rivalries and the, the Ohio State-Michigan, but this is literally two really strong fan bases, two massive universities sharing basically the same town. What was that like growing up? I can't say much about our football team. Sorry, Duke. Um, <laughs> hey, but... hey, Kansas can't say much about their football team either, so don't worry about that. <laughs> Um, but obviously, you know, this, this college town or these college towns are fueled by basketball. So obviously when March comes around, um, that's literally the only thing anybody ever talks about. And that's how I learned my math problems. And, you know, it, th this whole area just revolves around college sports and the, um, quote quote friendly rivalry sure sure <laughs> um but yeah just even before golf like i was already invested in college sports and you know being part of a fan base and you know kind of having this sense of camaraderie like eat way past before i even thought about the whole recruitment process right. uh, for joining a golf team so my parents are actually professors at unc sister went to unc uh -huh. And honestly, I thought I was going to go to UNC, too, because, you know, that's just right. Rite of passage almost. Sure. And um, I I I was a UNC fan, a diehard fan, and I would always check up how the teams are doing and all that good stuff. But I think once I started getting into the recruitment process for Duke, uh, well, for colleges in general, um, I stopped by at Duke and I don't know, there was just I guess it's just like a sixth sense where you just feel good about a place or you feel good about something and duke was the place for that and so you know it was hard to break that conversation to my parents I was but... gonna, that was my next question <laughs> i was like so mom dad i need to sit you down i have to have a serious conversation and most parents are like oh my god did did, did my daughter did did you know did she get a tattoo did she like elope at 17 in vegas like oh my god what has my child done She's sitting us down. This has got to be disastrous. And then you say, I'm, I think I'm going to Duke. I mean, d did everything shut down? I mean, was this like a fracture in the family? What, what, how did that conversation go? <laughs> well, luckily for me, to my advantage, um, they're not too crazy about basketball. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're not, we're not the most athletic family out there. Sorry to my family once again. Um, <laughs> mm -hmm. so, they were like, well, are you going to be happy? Like, you know, See, are, you, are, you, are you need a, are you 100% sure? Because, you know, you, once you make that promise to a coach, you want to honor that promise. Right. So they were like, if you have no regrets and you're happy with it, then obviously as our, as your parents, we're going to be happy too. So they actually accepted it pretty coolly. Um, I was satisfied. I was happy and I was relieved because right. I wasn't sure how they were going to take it. But um, uh, honestly, but for March Madness, it's just an unspoken rule not to talk about it. We Do just... I try to grab every opportunity to rub it, uh, rub it in their face? Absolutely. But, you know, I, I 
catch i wait for those moments <laughs> uh-huh. yeah just just let it marinate you know don't don't go for the you know don't go for it right away wait till it's a really important game and then now my so my first experience so i've i've spent like every summer of my childhood out in lawrence kansas um so i have a lot of like early early memories of of ku and you know whether it's me and a friend maybe you know hopping the fence at the football stadium and playing baseball out on 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 the field which is a big no-no or going to you know games down in fieldhouse i'm sure you've been to plenty of games now that you're a student at duke but like what was maybe your first real experience like in cameron indoor arena for a game like do you remember your first true like fan like duke basketball fan experience well i guess um before the recruitment process it was just so hard to get the tickets um to get into the cameron stadium and it was just really expensive um but since my parents were faculty at unc um it was much easier to get the tickets over there so um you know, honestly, uh, I went to UNC basketball games first. Okay. But my first experience in Cameron Indoors was um, when I when I was making my visit, actually. And that's that's one of the things that our coaches always do for any player that comes over right. um, to visit Duke. And it's to take them to Cameron Indoors because that's kind yeah. of that's, what we're known for. That's a selling right. point. That's a selling point. Right, that's the that's the selling point, and um, that's how I managed to get into um, my first game. And I think we were playing against Miami, but it was a really close game, and I think we uh, we definitely won because um, I wasn't crying <laughs> when I was walking oh, out. So okay. I was very happy. So, okay. Um, it it was just crazy, and you know, before then, I was wondering why are they never like making this stadium bigger, like. You know, more people, more seats and stuff. But going in there, I realized they are never going to expand this place ever in my lifetime because you can literally feel the ground vibrating. You can just like people. It feels like people are almost on top of you. Like it's very close, very close interactions um, with the teams and the players. And it's just it's such a cool experience that, you know, I feel like everybody should be able to have at least once in their lifetime. And, you know, it was so cool. And I just love the school spirit and how everybody was just cheering for the same thing. Um, and so that was part of the reason why I was like, wow, you know, I could really see myself as a student athlete here. Like right. I can really feel the overwhelming support that this place has for us. And so that was kind of the start. And that was just really um, what got to me. I, I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, a lot of times when I, you know, hear stories of, of juniors that are trying to pick the school they want to go to, and it, it's all about the golf. It's all about, well, what kind of a schedule and what's the facility like, you know, uh, you know, what kind of golf courses do I get to play at, you know? And I, I, I kind of like pause and sometimes like, yeah, but don't you, you're also going to be a college student. Like you're going to be able to go to classes and you're going to meet people and you're going to be on campus. Like it's a whole comprehensive experience. And, right. And I'm glad you brought that up because it sounds to me that, and obviously you're, you know, you're a psych major. I'm going to ask you a little bit about that, but just the entire experience of being a college kid. I mean, I know you're you know going to go on and play professionally and you, you have world-class athletes, but still like you're, this is a small little blip in, in time where you actually get to be a college kid go enjoy it. And then I'm guessing of all that you've accomplished on the golf course, you're probably looking back at all the fun you've had on campus as something you'll remember for the rest of your life. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, I used to be one of those intense junior golfers too, who was all just golf, 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 golf. Right. And people who really know me, they, they know that's true. Um, I mean, I'm still intense about it today. Like I still have this burning passion to wanting to win and I think that's good, um, but when you're in college, I feel like that's when you really develop into the golfer uh, you've always envisioned um, as a junior golfer. I feel like a lot of uh, most of the changes happen during college because now you're not in your house and you're not with your parents, so 
you yourself have to make the decisions on what you want to accomplish within the four years you're there. And, you know, the whole world doesn't revolve around golf and your golf team. Like you're bound to meet other people. And so that was part of the whole like evaluation. Like when I was choosing colleges, can I really see myself walking these halls and being happy? Like, do I think I can get along with these people? Are their priorities the same as mine? Um, will the athletics department support that? You know, you you have to think beyond the golf team because, right. you know, you're in college. It's It's the best part of your life. And, you know, you need to enjoy it while you can. So those were kind of the questions that was that was running through my mind. And I think I learned a lot and developed a lot as both a student and an athlete on just balancing other parts of my life and enjoying those other parts of my life. Cause it's, it's just too mentally exhausting to just constantly think about golf 24 seven. So that's such a great point. I'm so glad you brought that up. Cause as you know, there are a lot of parents that listen to this, this podcast, a lot of juniors that listen to it and, for someone like you, you know, Curtis Cupper, Palmer Cupper, you know, national champion to say, hey, you can't think about this all the time. You have to have something else in your life. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Now, you are a psych major and, um, you know, obviously don't want to speak for all college athletes, but, uh, you know, not really earth shattering news here. Sometimes sometimes uh athletes (laughs) students might might put athletics ahead of academics at some point i mean i don't want to you know put everyone in the same bubble but you know when when someone goes to to goes to stanford or goes to um yeah when someone goes to stanford someone goes to duke and you kind of you kind of know or there are other you know very academically challenging schools you know that they're there to get an education uh you know we can talk about how being a psych major has helped your golf uh, game and how that's your approach to, to, you know, improving your game. But I I was actually going to, I was curious, how do you think your psych major has helped you as a person over the last four years? Well, um, you know, you learn a lot of cool facts in psych classes and being at a prestigious school like Duke, you tend to meet professors where, their main job is actually researching and conducting studies and rather being the professor is a side hobby. Um, And that's usually how students get their opportunity to go do research with the professor and kind of, if if they like, if they like that field of study, then they can go down that path through recommendations through professors. And so obviously I didn't choose that um, because I just love golf too much, but yeah, just learning interesting tidbits about how we humans evolved um, psychologically. It's really interesting to hear. And like, for example, you know, I learned this just from Psych 101 that the more options you have, the harder it is for you to actually make a decision. And this is proven um, through evolution because our brains are still wired that way. Um, right. We're still calculating the best route for survival i mean even still today like that's just how evolution worked for us and so i mean that's just life but also in golf like i try not to give myself too many options just because i i know that so i'll just give myself one or two options between whatever shot i want to hit and then i'm like okay we're going with one and i feel good about it we're just going and i'm i don't really give myself much time to think about it Interesting. So when you, when you, I mean, obviously you've, you've been playing college golf for several years, you know, that pace of play can be an issue. There's some players that are slower than others. Uh, so I guess what you're saying is get, you know, get your facts straight about what shot you want to hit and just go. And the, the longer you give yourself to think about it, the worse, perhaps the worse the outcome is going to be. Yes, literally exactly that. Um, I see a lot of players <laughs> agonize i see it too over, it's so bad. <laughs> yeah they're agonizing over this shot and to me it's like like i'm it's a player's instinct i was like well which one do you feel better about and then you just gotta go with that because the more you agonize about it doesn't mean you're gonna hit a better shot like more time does not equate to a better shot if anything less time less thinking more feeling 
gets you a better shot or a better percentage to hit a better shot. Yeah, I, I've been around college golf and amateur golf uh, a lot for the last year and a half, two years. And I, I, sometimes I'm just, you know, because I have a camera in hand, I'm waiting to get a shot and I'm looking and <laughs> we have a two and a half minute conversation with the coach and the player and the wind and the grass and let's switch back and wipe the club down and let's throw the grass up in the air again. Let's check the wind and let's look at this. And I'm like, I'm like, it's a, it's a 110 yard wedge shot guys. I mean, um, it's, I mean, I can knock it on the green from here. Like, what are we doing? So I see that I'm, I'm shaking my head. I'm like, that can't be good. Like that. There's no way this is freeing you up to, to have an athletic, um, you know, moment here. The, the, there's no way this is working. Right. And honestly, all of our birdies don't come from tap-ins. Like, if it doesn't yes. work out, then, yes. then just go make the putt, you know? Just go to the next one and do your whole routine, feel good about it, and try to make it in. And if it doesn't, well, guess what? you got another hole to work on it for, so... I mean, you can... I don't know, yeah. yeah. You can make a 12-footer, you know? I mean, every you know, 5-footer, 12-footer, I mean, you, you know, it's... it's There's still a hole there. Right, right. Um, and... Honestly, where the ball bounces, which way the ball bounces, it's just, it's not in our control. And I think that was actually the hardest lesson for me to learn coming from as like an intense junior golf, golf, golf <laughs> mindset over to, wow, now I got to take care of laundry. Oh, crap. Now I got to take care of my homework. Oh, no. What about this? Oh, so we're on the golf course. I don't really have much mental energy to really grind myself over this i mean it's just not healthy or sustainable at that point so you you you, um you tend to relax and free up a bit and especially you know being able to make those decisions for yourself i think that's where people really find the most change um not just as a golfer but as just a functioning adult in society Uh uh-huh uh-huh so 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 this is breaking news. A, a top tier amateur golfer knows how to cook and do their own laundry for themselves. This is this is amazing. I know, I know. You know, you you learn you learn new things every day. Oh my gosh! <laughs> um, well, I, I before we move past Duke um, and talk a little bit about you know obviously successful at LPGA Q series and Curtis Cup. Um, I wanted to ask you a little bit about your, your national championship in, in 2019. This is, thankfully, you got to enjoy something like that before the pandemic hit because the pandemic had just obviously has changed a lot of the experiences for college athletes. But you win. Absolutely. Yeah, so you win. I feel so bad for some of, the, some of these players. Where oh, they, just, yeah. they just don't get to experience that. So you win in 2019. You're winning a national championship as a freshman. So you're barely getting your feet wet with like you said okay how do i function on campus and you have homework and and shopping and and laundry and all this stuff you, you know obviously you're thrust into this role where okay now i'm i'm trying to help lead a team now i'm i'm playing on tv i'm on golf channel and i'm doing all these things does that feel like just an absolute blur of winning a national championship as a freshman Oh, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Um, We had so many rain delays for that tournament. I think we went in and out of a van, uh, like our shuttle van, to get back out on the course and restart like four times because this thunderstorm was just hovering around us. I mean, we were going out at like 4 a.m. in the morning and then coming back until like 9 p.m. It was those long extremely long days where literally all you did was eat, breathe, sleep, and golf. Uh, But I guess just because I was taking in so much of the experience and just looking around wide-eyed and going, wow, this is so cool. Like, I can't, I can't wait. And, you know, all that's left in my memories is the fact that it felt like a blur when in reality, (laughs) it was the longest tournament of my life. But the way I remember it, it's just, there was just so many new things to take in that it just all kind of went by so quickly. You win a national championship at Duke at a school that is known for its basketball. I mean, when you, when you pass coach K on campus, do you guys just exchange a little nod? Like, yeah, I'm a national champion, just like you. I mean, how does that go over? (laughs) Well, I haven't, uh, I haven't been able to run into coach K yet, but, um, 
I've I've taken some classes with Zion and RJ, uh-huh. and um, all of the basket players know where the count stands right now. So you know, it, it doesn't hurt to nudge them a little bit, and you know, go like, "Hey, <laughs> we got one more than you." Or when March came around and their NCAA's come up a little sooner than ours. I said, okay, go win another one. You'll you'll get one closer to us or something like that. I, I, or, or. I wish I was there to see you giving Zion Williamson just a nudge and, and a hard time. Um I wish that I mean I don't have I don't have access to it, but is there a picture of you two <laughs> standing next to each other? And how funny is that? Yeah, we do have a picture. I'm just really <laughs> <laughs> I look minion compared to him i like i think my my the top of my head just reaches just to like barely his chest i mean it or maybe not even but yeah i mean i actually ran into him after right after nationals too and zion he's such a humble guy um you can tell his parents raised him right and he's like there's my national champion oh my god congrats blah 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 all that good stuff and he comes over to my mom and said, hi, Mrs. Kim. My name is Zion Williamson. Um, I play basketball here at Duke. And your daughter's so amazing. Like, oh it's so God. cool. And my mom's like, oh, yeah, I, I know who you are. Yeah, she's like, I know who you are. You're the one that's beating up my Tar Heels, and I don't like you. No, I'm kidding. She didn't, she didn't say that. Yeah, but it's just, it's, it's cool because, you know, normally, obviously, they're celebrities, you know, right. even, even at our school. But. Um, I think my freshman year with Zion, RJ, and Cam, they were the most down-to-earth people I've, I've met. And, you know, I got to hang out with them, take classes with them, agonize over our homework with them. And it was just, it, it, that, that right there, I believe, the reason why college is amazing because you get to meet these, these t- extremely talented people from all over the world and you get to agonize over homework with them. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like those little memories. Like, you know, you're, you're busy together in the athletic center, um, academic center and just doing work together or getting coffee together or, you know, or maybe it's just me. Maybe I just find a little joys in life, but I don't know. That's, that's how I think of my college experience. Just a little many pieces of joy the normal the normal stuff that a college kid exper- college kid experiences that, that i think that's great because like you said i mean the the, the tournaments there, there's going to be more tournaments and obviously you know player players like you know zion and, and rj barrett they're going to go on and play in the nba and they're, they're going to have those other athletic experiences but you're only going to have one pocket in your life where you're you know cramming for a midterm or you have a project due and and yeah that's that makes total sense right i mean occasionally zion does come visit duke once in a while when he does have the time so you you can just tell that college does leave an impression on on you like especially when you're coming in as an 18 year old ready to charge at whatever's you know in front of you so it definitely does leave a deep impression I can imagine coming back to campus must be one of the most normal things in that guy's life right about now. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's nice to get some normal right. vibes around here. Yeah. So um, you just – now there's things you've had to – you've been able to experience in your, your amateur career. Um, you know, we'll talk a little bit about Curtis Cup, uh, but, but let's talk a little bit about LPGA Q-Series. So you – you know, from the outside looking in, it's it's very it's kind of a unique experience for a collegiate player. You're obviously trying to qualify. It's it's I mean, there's different stages and then the final stage is just this eight round marathon over two separate weeks. But you're you're obviously trying to qualify, get your card. There's a lot of a lot of strict competition, but you also know that you have this option to return to college. You can return with your team, and in your case, you have this great chance at you know, whether it's another ACC championship or another national championship. So, you know, this is different than a, than a U.S. Open qualifier or U.S. Am qualifier, where if you lose, you're like, okay, I'm, I'm out, that's it. But if you miss at LPGA Q Series, you know that you, okay, well, I can go back to school. You obviously, you, you get through, you qualify, you've obtained your LPGA Tour card. How did you approach that, knowing that, okay, there is an alternative if this doesn't go great? Did that 
help your approach process or did it did you just try and keep that out of your mind and just say hey i just got to keep the hammer down and treat this like anything else do you remember how you approached a kind of a unique qualifier yeah i mean like you said this whole q school process it's it's definitely brutal um you know it's after going through it once i definitely don't want to go through it again right uh but because of just how mentally exhausting and nerve-wracking it is i do think the fact that i have a college to go back to i have a home to go back to i have teammates and coaches who still support me regardless of what happens and the fact that they've still you know let me back with open arms i just think having those that type of support really just relaxed me and let me play my game and obviously the results didn't turn out as nicely as I wanted to um at the end of the day I finished top 45 you know and that was that was the end goal yeah and um but you know my my coaches especially were extremely understanding of the process and and they understood how brutal it was just simply because they've had some of their own previous players go through the same thing too um so you know I was just I think knowing I had that much support back home and I had that many people wanting me to do well, um, I, I think it definitely changed my perspective. I don't think it, I could say it changed my approach. I think I treat every tournament the same, um, or at least I try to. I try not to put too much weight on one event um, just simply because I don't want to stress myself out more than I need to. Right. Um, so, yeah, it definitely changed my perspective and how I think things. But I think the game plan was pretty much the same. You know, just keep the pedal down and just keep chugging along forward. Well, you get through and then, you know, you have to kind of make that decision. Are you going to forego your, your senior spring season at Duke? Um, or, you know, do you, uh, you know, go back and go for another national championship? And this is just a very unique experience or unique aspect of LPGAQ series. It puts players in a position where they have to make a difficult choice. Now you've told me that you've made the choice where you're going to forego and and turn, turn professional. Um, Yeah. Everyone's story is different, but for you, do you, was it just, I'm ready or I I mean, I I had to been heartbreaking for you at some point be like, man, I'm, I'm going to leave Duke. I mean, at some point that, that had to been very, very difficult. Yeah, I think um, after the first stage, because it happened before school started, after first stage was done, and I go straight to Curtis Cup, and then I come back to school, and, you know, I actually have to go to class and all. Um, Walking around campus, one day it just suddenly hit me that, oh, dang, like, I'm a senior already. Yeah, I'm not going to be here much longer as a student. Um, And it's just this really bittersweet nostalgia that I was feeling because I guess you know like I mentioned before those little pieces of happiness those memories I mean I was just busy reminiscing about how as a you know freshman a hot-headed freshman I was just running around past the chapel you know figuring out where the dining hall was and but I had to go to class and just rushing I don't know just walking around the campus I've I've noticed I've been feeling a lot more nostalgic than usual. Right. But yeah, that that decision was probably one of the hardest decisions I had to make um along with, you know, the recruitment process back like 5 years ago or 6 years ago. So, um, you know, it's it's hard to leave a place that you call your second home, but I think mo- the reason why I was I felt like I was ready to go was, you know, I asked myself the same question like I did while choosing a school. Will I have any regrets with this decision? And I think looking back at my amateur and junior and collegiate uh, career, I feel like I've experienced pretty much anything that anybody wants to experience. You know, I've, I got a national title. I got an ACC title, both individual team finally went to Curtis Cup, the dream event that I've always wanted to go to. And I've done everything that I could have done. And I played out to my heart's content. 
And, you know, I feel like I've accomplished everything I wanted to in the amateur world. And I think knowing that and being happy that I got to experience those things, um, I was able to look forward and say, okay, you know, time to start a new chapter of my life and time to go experience new things, um, you know, out, out in the LPGA and make my mark. Um, and so that was kind of the mindset I took while making that decision. Well, you're, you're a hundred percent right about checking off every box as a junior and an amateur. Cause as I look down to everything you've accomplished, and I love the fact that you picked up that win at the North South at Pinehurst, cause that had to have felt like just kind of a, a local major, so to speak, being from North Carolina. So that one I'm guessing had to have a lot of, uh, emotional and, and personal, um, importance to you. Uh, you mentioned Curtis Cub. I love the fact that that was, you said that that was a dream of yours to play Curtis Cub. I spent a lot of time around the Walker Cuppers and I'm, I'm, you know, going to be at Marion to, to kind of peek in at the Curtis Cup. When did Curtis Cup become something that cemented itself as, as a, as a goal of yours? When, when did it start kind of getting on your radar? I would say like, even like early, early high school, um, I would just, you know, I'm the golf nerd that likes to look around the USGA website, yes. the oh AJGA gosh. website, you know, figure out how things work, what tournaments are there. Um, cause I'm a very goal mission oriented person sure. and I like putting my eyes up at the top and, you know, I'm looking around and I'm like, okay, well, what tournaments do we got here? Uh, what, what, what can I go in, swipe on, you know, click on? Uh, what, what looks like a top goal that I can achieve later on for myself and something that I can look forward to for multiple years, not, not just a short-term goal, but like out there. And, you know, I happen to run across Curtis Cup and you see the type of players that go through that event. And I said, oh, this is the one. But I think it was really when I got into college that I understood the magnitude, like, oh, crap, like, this is big. <laughs> this is not <laughs> This is not what high school Gino was originally thinking about this tournament. Um, but, yeah, you know, and the fact that Sarah Ingram was the captain for this Curtis Cup event in Wales, um, and she has you know, deep connections with Duke. Um, and she comes back for basketball games, football games, comes back to visit us. I just think it had way more significance. Um, just knowing that there was, uh, you know, some blue double presence on the team. And so I knew the North and South was going to swing things my way very favorably. Right. Um, was I trying to do something extra win? extra to win no i just kept the same game plan if anything i was more determined to just keep doing what i was doing and let everything else figure itself out and there was many times where i've cut it close uh you know and i honestly thought well you know today's the day to pack the bags and go home but you know i i feel like god has you know funny ways of letting things happen of what's meant to be will happen and just being able to stand there with the putter boy trophy if anything i thought to myself wow after five years i finally got this trophy and then also oh maybe maybe i'll finally be able to make the curtis cup right, team too right. so those are the two main thoughts that i had in my head and just being able to get the call, which I originally thought was spam and originally blocked. Really? <laughs> yeah. I, I was doing a practice round, um, Rancho Mirage at Mission Hills and I thought it was a spam call and I blocked the number, but he, the USG president left a voicemail and I was like, Oh no crap. <laughs> so, I, you know, you just, you just I called him back. You didn't let, you didn't let Stu Francis in. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> maybe <laughs> I, I don't know Stu francis this is jersey i don't know anyone yeah by the way anytime you get a phone call from jersey for the for for in the for the for the foreseeable future just let those calls come in just go ahead and answer. yeah basically yeah. basically Any, anything from jersey just let that through that's hysterical yeah, just let it through that's hysterical 
Yeah, because it kept calling me, and I was like, "Dang, this this voice fisher is really determined." Yeah, turns out it turns out it's the USDA president. I was like, "Oh, oops, sorry." <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I I remember when uh, when Jensen won the USAM at Westchester, like almost. I mean, it was. I think they were still out on the yeah, they were still out on the green where she the the hole that she won, and I mm-hmm. think five minutes later she has a cell phone in her hand. And I'm like, oh, I bet I know who that is. So, um, right. <laughs> so, they were ready. They were ready. So you go to Curtis Cub. Uh, uh, you know, we could look at the records, but we're just going to gloss past that because it's obviously a lot. <laughs> it's a lot more than just, you know, uh, wins and losses. Although I'm guessing uh, you and Kaylee McGinty aren't going to be, uh, you know, sharing rooms or travel schedules on the road at the professional rank. So we'll just move on. <laughs> just going to move on past that. But, when you look back at Curtis Cup, um, it, it like you said, kind of like Duke. It's the little things. It's it's the normal moments. What is going to be? I know this is going to be hard to answer, but what's one of the lasting memories you're going to have from the Curtis Cup? That's maybe not so much golf related, but just being with the team or traveling. What's one memory or one story that's going to stick out for a long time? I remember we were on the range and. Was it was it the back of the range or was it just the range? Just the range. Oh, Obviously, darn. nothing could beat the back of the range. Oh, but okay. all right, all right, just check. It was a close. It was a close second. Okay, but okay. we were on the range, and all of us U.S. girls were out there warming up. Um, I think it was just for a practice round that day. I yeah, I believe so. And we're just practicing, goofing off, and we're we're talking to our caddies and. They're very curious about what, you know, an American girl sounds like. <laughs> Obviously, we're going to talk about accents. Uh-huh. So I just remember we're both trying to emulate each other or trying to, you know, imitate each other's accents. And I don't know why, but that just cracked me up. I mean, I was just about to pass out from laughing um, and just doing like tattoos together, you know encouraging more team spirit and just cheering for each other and having dance parties in our, uh, in our team room. Right. Uh, we have, we had a stuffed animal, uh, this dragon because it's like on the flag of Wales. Right. Um, we named him Doug. Mm-hmm. I actually have Doug. I brought Doug back. Doug's in my room. Oh, you have Doug. Um, I do have Doug. Doug's uh Doug became an American citizen. He immigrated over. Okay. Um, but it's just it's those little things, you know, and, and learning about other cultures and learning about, you know, other places and you know, how amazing it is and just being able to experience something new. I'm I'm all about experience as as you can tell, but I just think those little happy memories where we're goofing off and laughing and just having those funny, funny conversations, um, I, that really stands out to me. Well, I'm, I'm glad that you were there as kind of providing some, some senior leadership because I know that there were some, excuse me, I know that there were some younger players and people there representing the United States. And I'm guessing one of the biggest challenges for the entire team was trying to bring Megagane out of her shell because she's such an introverted person where there's no personality whatsoever. How how were you all able to – you understand what I'm getting at here, but you understand – I mean, how did you get Megagane out of her shell so that she could be more of a team player? <laughs> oh, well, I mean, we're honestly, the people on that team, we all knew each other for years. I, I know. Just- <laughs> just simply playing so many tournaments together. Um, and I actually met Mega the first time when uh, I was at a U.S. Women's Open qualifier. And I think that girl may have had to been like 14, maybe, maybe 15. Um, no, wait, let's see. It was 20, 2018. So she, oh, 14, 14. That's right. She still had her U.S. Kids World Cup bag. Oh, my God. <laughs> But she was so young and but she was, she like, I mean, obviously, you know, the distance, the yardage was pretty long and she struggled a bit at first, but just watching her play, I 
was like, this girl is going to become something. She's going to be good. Yeah. Um, you, you can just tell when you watch someone. Um, and so I, even though like didn't make it to that U S open that year, I was like, Oh, she's bound to make it within the next few years. Yeah. So mega, if you're listening to this, I called it a few years ahead of time, <laughs> but she, she's so naturally funny. And, um, honestly, I have not met the introverted side at all. Really? We, the both of us, we just hit it off. And, I think it's just because we both have goofy per- personalities that uh, at Wales, you know, we're all just laughing with each other and Mega's just cracking these jokes and it's just, it's just such a good time. And I honestly, I think Mega's the funniest one on our team. She really just sets the vibe and the mood. And I, I think that's actually what helped us win, just staying positive and, laughing along the way and just enjoying ourselves um that is a that's a very yeah. popular uh, selection as far as the most the the funniest or the most entertaining person on that team and uh yeah i i will have to have her on the podcast very soon to uh to get some of the other stories about the team um because yeah she, that that just it looked like you guys had a lot of fun over there and as you said just knowing everyone um, I mean, gosh, you know, from, from Miliacho and Keen and, and uh, Rose and Heck and the, all the way down the list. So it looked kind of just like a reunion road trip for you ladies. Oh, yeah. It was it was just a vacation for us, basically. Yeah, I mean, that's what it kind of looked like. <laughs> I, I don't know if I'm supposed to say that because, you know, it's, it's very competitive and, and we're supposed to, like, it, it would be great for us to win. But honestly, for us, it just felt like a vacation. It was like wow we're traveling the world playing golf and and we're we're getting to hang out with the girls this is great um so yeah it was it was just so relaxing and just well actually the first few days were not relaxing i was gonna say yeah at some point like okay uh we gotta get to work here it was relaxing there we go after we won but yeah it was it was just a life-changing experience and honestly turning down the offer to go to the practice session was also agonizing for me. I know. Because I know a lot of the same players are probably going to go to Marion. And, you know, just having to accept that fact, that was also very tough for me as well. Well, one of the, um, yeah, that practice session actually is, uh, you know, we're talking on January 12th and this this weekend is the practice session. One of you yeah. So one of your Duke teammates, Erica Shepard, she was invited, so she's going to be there. And, you know, yes. not, not that you need to give her any advice. I mean, we're talking about a, you know, a, a former U.S. junior champion, a U.S. women's four-ball champion. She, you know, has quite the resume uh, on her own as well. But, and this is advice maybe you can give, you've given her, but it's also advice that I think a lot of people can kind of take uh, for their for themselves for their own game when you want to win something or you want to qualify or you want to show your best when the lights are on um, you know how do you free yourself up to perform at the highest level when there's a lot at stake have you had any conversation about her like er, with her saying hey here's what the practice session's like yeah I've I've definitely told her what the practice session was like and um, you know she's asked me for some advice as well Um but honestly, Erica is just so mentally tough that that girl could literally be anywhere. And, you know, I can trust her to be just fine. Um, if anything, she had to give me advice on, you know, balancing uh, golf with other things in my life. Um, that happy Gina equals happy golf equals great golf. So if anything, I've gotten some go- yeah, it's, it's a two-way street for us. Um, you know, we, we exchange advice <laughs> um, on a two-way basis. So it, it's been good to learn from somebody and to help someone um, in that sense. But, yeah, I mean, I remember my first uh, practice session. I was so nervous um, have, thinking that I had to play well in order to make it. Right. Like Sarah's, over, Sarah's over here like, okay, guys, let's change it up a bit. We're going to have some fun here. Um, take out three clubs in your bag and you're going to play a match with those three clubs. So I'm over here putting with a seven iron on the green 
And I'm thinking to myself, well, this is not exactly what I imagined it to this be is, like. This is not. I didn't. I didn't prepare for this. Um, right, right. I was like, was I supposed to practice with my seven iron back home? Oh no. Yeah, I I was at a Walker Cup practice session, and of course they say, "Hey guys, this isn't a tryout. This is just a you know a get together." And I, and I'm like, and I'm still looking at these guys when they're playing, and there's a couple light moments. But you could tell that that whole speech that they were given about this isn't a tryout, this is just casual, none of them were believing any of it. I mean, it was just so funny. They were like, I don't believe anything you guys are saying. Everything has to go in. I have to hit this thing about, you know, every tee shot's going about 10 yards farther. Um, that's what I saw. That, that that's a- <laughs> Yeah, no, so that's why we were playing till dark because you play a lot of golf. I think 36 and 36 18 or 36 36 or yeah. something like that but um like it was getting so dark that sarah literally comes over to the 18th green like because we're playing matches with partners and stuff and she looks over and she says yeah those two look good okay pick it up let's go get dinner nice. <laughs> so honestly it was sarah who helped me realize like wow like this is really about enjoying ourselves you know this is a privilege to just enjoy yourselves and and just have some fun with the other girls um so that's what i told erica erica it's really not a tryout like just because you're in this practice session (laughs) does not mean you're on the team it's just it's just for fun literally just for fun yes erica it's this means nothing it has nothing to do with the fact that you could become a curtis cover in a few months it's just it's just it's all it's just for fun it's just fun it's just fun in front of usga officials and the curtis cup captain it's just fun. See, exactly. We're, we're trying, <laughs> trying to hypnotize her because she's listening into like, yeah, it's just fun. Okay. Um, well, I'm going to let you go because you, you have a little bit of, I'm sure there's something you're doing today, uh, whether athletics or academics or something you're doing. But before I let you go, we've talked about the things that you're going to be kind of waving goodbye to as you move on to the pro ranks, you know, no more, you know, collegiate golf, no more amateur golf, no more Curtis cup teams. But I know that the, the thing that makes you the most saddest is that you, you will only have one experience playing in the PXG college golf showcase. Oh God. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. I saved the best for last. You just got done playing in, in, I mean, You've played on TV before in the U.S. Open. You've had cameras around you. But this was a full-on TV production with, you know, Chikara from Oklahoma State and, and Mankey. So it was you and uh, Eugenio Chikara from Oklahoma State, R.J. Mankey from Washington. So you three with your team captain of Rob Riggle against yeah. Jerome <laughs> Bettis with, uh, let's see, Logan McAllister from Oklahoma, Goodwin from SMU, and then Brooke Matthews. Um, Brooke Matthews on the podcast, uh, love her really. She was, she was great. Um, from, she's from Arkansas. Now you, you guys grabbed the win, but this had to have been your first time dealing with like a full fledged TV show. I mean, it's basically a TV show. It's not a regular. Yeah, tournament. basically. So, um, I, how was that? I watched that thing last night. How, how was that experience for you? Wow. Um, <laughs> I don't even know what that means, but I can't wait to find out. It, it was um, really a shock to my system, for sure, because usually, you know, I've, I've played on TV before, so that's not the right. unusual part of having a lot of cameras around me. Like, But the thing is, I'm usually minding my own business and just playing my own golf game, right. and it's the TV people that's got to run around and film me on time. If they miss it, they just miss it, right. you know? Um, but here, since it's basically a TV show and, and production, we're all shuffling together as a unit and there's like, like lines of carts with cameras and wires and everything. And you can't hit the shot immediately. Like the director has got to go, hold on just a second. Camera two, are you in line? Uh-huh. Okay. Action. <laughs> you're, you're ready to go. And as soon as you hit, you have to like, you know, obviously show a reaction and be happy or, or whatever. And then we had like a makeup artist following us around. I mean, it was just, it was an interesting side of the golf world that I haven't seen too much, to be honest. And it was actually really cool. And Jerome Bettis and Rob Riggle were just so amazing <laughs> and so funny. 
well, especially for Rob Riggle. Like, I mean, anything that comes out of his mouth, it's it's, it's just hilarious to me. I don't know why, but <laughs> um, but they did us so well over there. Um, just being able to play at a really nice course like Scottsdale National, that itself was an amazing experience. I've already had people ask me like, "How is the course? Like, I'd love to play it." Um, I was right. like, "Me too." I don't know how I'm going to get on there later on, but I'd like to play too. But the food was great. <laughs> I was- I think the highlight was like the food. <laughs> well, I I watched it and actually I I knew that uh, you know I've spoken with uh, Drew Carr from Fidelity. I see him on the road, so I knew that that you know the whole um, production aspect of it was massive. But that had to have been just a crazy experience, just because it's again it's just it's it's a TV show. It's not like playing a regular round of golf or a regular tournament. And, oh yeah, and I'm and I'm also guessing that that's going to be something you can use to to kind of benefit moving forward because there are going to be times where cameras are moving and wires are being pulled and and you know maybe not to that extent, but um, it's going to be something where you can kind of relax a little bit more when you have cameras around you. Um, I I loved I loved the trash talking between Riggle and Bettis. I thought that was the funniest thing, and I, I just thought that had to have been, that had to have been hysterical just to be around. <laughs> Those two are something else. I'll tell you that for sure. Um, I guess Jerome Bettis, he has such a big personality, and he's just such a kind human. Um, and just hear him trash talk, and <laughs> those two going after each other. Um, with Eugenio also kind of coming into that banter too. Once oh, in a he, while. he he's a TV star. I mean, he's got. Uh, <laughs> I would say of any, of everyone on the team, I would say he uh, probably him and maybe McAllister were maybe the the their their personalities really did come out. Oh yeah, they have some big personalities. Um, but it was just funny watching all of them like just banter and just just you know pick at each other a little bit but um you know it's just these well i mean first of all jerome can jerome can play right he can he can hustle around the course i i I didn't realize how good he was at golf he was great uh rob had some unfortunate shots but he he comes through at the right time those two Um, back-to-back shots on the par three towards the end yeah that, that was just that was impressive absolutely crazy yeah we I mean, I was like, oh, this this sealed the deal. But in the midst of all of that, you know, I got to ask um, Jerome Bettis, like, what do you, you know, are you, for practice, do you think it's quality or uh, quantity? And, you know, I got some really heartfelt and inspirational words of advice from him. And, you know, you get some, I even though Rob Riggle's a comedian, and obviously his main job is to make people laugh, he 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 was um what was it I think he was in the, he's he's, he's in the Marine yeah. Corps yeah he's a Marine yeah he, he's a Marine so he's obviously went through some you know intense situations so he also had a great amount of advice um, too and just a great perspective on life in general and just hearing from the both of them and those two unique experiences um it was it was just great overall um besides just the whole tv production just being able to talk to those kinds of people you, yeah. you really learn a lot um so i uh, you know i hope whoever is out there you know if you ever get a chance to go to the psg college golf showcase i sure hope you run at that chance okay it was amazing just life-changing that's great that's great to hear now you know you mentioned makeup artists traveling around has anyone had the the tough conversation with Noah Goodwin about the sunglasses? <laughs> we 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 talked to him. He loves his Ray Ban sunglasses. <laughs> I said, um, "What about a hat? Like, aren't you going to get burned?" No, He's like, oh nope. no, oh no, no, no. Got to show off the hair and the glasses, and you got. I mean, Holly, said, Hollywood needs to be. You know, I mean, come on. Yeah, and so we all had mics on us, you know. <laughs> He pulls over his mic and said, hello, hello, this is Noah Goodwin, um, Ray-Ban, Ray-Ban, if you're out there and you're watching this, 
sponsor me. We oh. can do an NIL, whatever you want. Oh, uh, I'm God. here. I'm always ready. <laughs> we all passed out laughing. This man is just chilling by himself. I mean, <laughs> just, just just minding his own business and just doing his own thing uh-huh. um, behind a pair of Ray-Bans. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep, yep. I've seen that firsthand, and I just... Uh... I, I shake my head when I see that, and then the, and the hair, <laughs> and the whole thing. So you know, I I, have a, I know a lot of the guys in the SMU team, and uh, they are all, they are a lot of fun. But yeah, Noah's Noah is in his own lane. So yeah, he's so funny, especially with him and his coach together. Especially on the last night, we're all just absolutely losing it because of those two. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, Para is. Uh, yeah, really, I, the apple doesn't fall too short, too far from the tree. I mean, if, if Para <laughs> is the coach, uh, yeah, no, no shocker as to what Goodwin has uh, become. But hey, that's that's another USGA champion right there. So yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, that's gonna be fun to see what he does uh, at the next level. Well, just uh, uh, great stories. I really, uh, this was fun. I'm really glad we talked. We didn't talk. It wasn't just golf all the time, so I'm really glad we got to talk about, you know, your experience at Duke and just everything else that uh, has, you know, taken shape in your in your collegiate career, and you're moving on, and we're going to follow you, and, you know, obviously the mojo's activated for anyone that's a guest on the podcast, so I'm sure you're going to find great success at the pro ranks, and uh, Gina, I appreciate you stopping by the back of the range. Thank you so much for having me. I do appreciate it. And there you have it. Special thanks to Gina Kim for joining me on this episode here at the Back of the Range. Don't forget, follow along on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Every episode is available on the new website, thebackoftherange.com. We'll see you next time here at the Back of the Range.